Welcome again to the Dad Pod Games Cast, a show where two and sometimes three dads get together and talk about games, stuff adjacent to games, dad stuff, and or just trying to do this hobby while getting older and having less time. I'm one of your trio of hosts, Joe Owens, and as always, to my right, your virtual left, Eddie Rathke. That's a me. And once again, from around the block, by way of Sweden, Rick Johansson. Ukvalle. Ooh. How are you? Ooh. We're, we're, I'm we're, better than you because I know another language. Guten yeah, well, tag. I mean, uh, yeah, the only thing that I could uh, do a little bit of uh, is German. Eddie just said good day. Uh, I think there's some overlap, possibly, between German and uh, uh, Swedish. I feel like uh, one time at Taekwondo, uh, Rick's wife uh, was able to do a count for them, and she did it in Swedish. I'm like, hey, some of those numbers sound awfully yeah. similar to some numbers I know in German. There's a lot of overlap, yeah. Not We can't be them for the length of some of their words in German, because some of those are <laughs> quite insane. But no, there's a lot of overlap, because it's all the same kind of language roots, so... Yeah, and nobody can touch the uh, the Icelandic folks for length of words. No, uh, I I remember doing some some research for a for a fantasy thing I was writing once, and I was like, this language is 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 awesome, but it is very very difficult. <laughs> the way that yeah. it can just kind of go and go and like I mean, you have sentence length words. Uh, very very interesting. They don't fit on the doors at yeah. people's offices, you know. Yeah, I, I've seen, uh, you know, names and places. Uh, and because it seems like a lot of place names, and apologies if we have any Icelandic listeners and I get this wrong, but I feel like a lot of names are like, it's like sort of like the description of the place. And it's not just like a slight description. It's like like a detailed description, and then that is the name of the place. Um, I would give it a try if I had one. Number one, if I had anything in front of me. And uh, number two, if I wouldn't <laughs> completely butcher it. So... Uh, we'll leave, we'll leave that to another day. There we go. We can we can tick off one population at a time, maybe, and just like cycle yeah. through them. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I, just so you know, Icelanders, your time is coming. We're coming for you, and it's gonna be brutal. Unless the volcanoes get you first. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, tonight is a is an episode that we've been teasing and uh, sort of been working toward. Uh, I would say I think that's fair to say. Um, before there were uh, rituals of the night, uh, the night was home to symphonies, and uh, that's sort of where we're going, uh, famously uh, produced by Koji Igarashi, uh, who would later go on to do some other fantastic entries in the series. We're talking about Castlevania Symphony of the Night. Uh, yeah, there's some... Uh, I'm just thinking of... Uh, when when Eddie did that, it reminds me of the uh, the, the the menu music. Like everything about like I'm just gonna go ahead and say it. Uh, I have a lot of fanboyism toward this game. Uh, I, I like everything about it. Almost, we'll talk about some of the things I don't like. They're very very minor, uh, and they're sort of like few and far between, and really don't uh, matter all that much. Uh, but man, that soundtrack it sure it sure whips. It sure whips. Oh, yeah. I'm interested in this. It's uh, it's just so good. It's just it's so good. Um, I I think we. It's kind of weird because like I don't want to say like at the time when Castlevania Symphony of the Night came out, uh, you know, and we you know dissect all of its pieces and whatnot. Like it was it was considered fantastic when it came out, but I also don't think we really understood like how good 
like and timeless it would end up being um at at, at the time I'm like oh this is one of those like legit games that's like good for this year uh you know at the time um right. you know and I I'm pretty sure it won probably a couple game of the year awards from you know various outlets but I really don't think that uh we we knew that it and you know Super Metroid would would spawn genres and subgenres uh the likes to which you know really uh, we haven't seen in a lot of other uh uh IPs they they have not kicked off this landslide of uh uh you know this fan following in, in the way that this has and so uh, I don't know I kind of want to look at what like why like why that happened why why it was so good what are Eddie, let's start with you. What was your first experience with Symphony of the Night? Ooh, um, I actually am not sure what my first experience with it. I did not play it when it came out. Um, I played it, I don't know, maybe like 10 years ago or 15 years ago. I don't know. I played it as an adult, so I didn't play it back in uh, 1997 or even in the early 2000s, I don't think. So so pretty, pretty, pretty recent pretty recent for you yeah pretty recent for a 25 year old game (laughs) yeah i was trying to do the math there and given that it's past 9 p.m my uh my brain was like nope you have to wait till tomorrow if you want to yeah backdate that one my first castlevania was castlevania 64 which i think actually came out around the same time hilariously it Um, did um it's like do, do well, you guys remember wasn't that sort of like positioned as like uh at least maybe internally at konami uh but if nothing else like a lot of the media hype was like that was going to be the one like that was where the series was going or the of the night it was, was not the one <laughs> it, was, it wasn't uh i think in a different world uh like at koji igarashi not come on i could see things moving towards 3d um, because that's where everything was moving also talk about music the castlevania 64 music is real good yeah Um, yeah you can't knock i i honestly don't know um i i guess i don't have enough experience with like the really really like sort of like esoteric castlevania titles that were really not released far and wide but i have not personally heard a bad soundtrack yet from these games yeah Uh, even when the games were sort of like middling uh Still good, not great, you know, in the 3D ones post-64. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that never, 64 soundtrack was real good. Yeah, I never played any... So that was actually the only Castlevania game I played for a very long time. Um, let's see, Castlevania 64 came out two years after Symphony of the Night. Mm. So Because yeah, um, Igarashi took over Symphony of the Night, if I'm not mistaken. Or is it Rondo of Blood? He took over one of them when they were already in production. So um, he... So uh, Tim Rogers goes into this. He really wanted to be making Castlevania, but instead was making Toki Mekimorio. Yeah. And uh, that he kind of used that as a pitch to get onto Symphony of the Night, I believe. Yeah. Did Did you know that uh, his desk, while uh, writing the entire story of Toki Mekimorio, um, was right next to the Rondo of Blood guys? Uh, team like a. Uh, like the te- where the team was like he was like right there in the building and so like i could, i just picture him uh in his cool cowboy hat and probably like snakeskin boots <laughs> you know riding the uh dating simulator which turns out to be uh from what i understand I, I can't read japanese so we're still waiting for a really good english translation of it which sounds like it can't really happen unless it's like coming from konami it sounds like it's going to be a herculean tax task for tokimeki memorial but i picture 
Koji Igarashi, uh, like r- exchanging notes, like giving ideas, getting ideas <laughs> while yeah. the development of Rondo is going on. Well, I think that that's how it's funny when you talk about like people's video game careers, because um, it was such a such an informal industry for a long time that it was just I think it's like, hey, we like this guy. Do you, do you want to work with us on uh, the next one? And the bosses are like, I don't care. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, nobody it was it was you know we always talk about things being the wild west you know in the 80s and 90s of video game development but they really were um kind of anything goes as long as the production uh, you know deadlines got met they're just like whatever just do it just make the thing and let's let's roll you don't have the same AAA kind of pressure that you have today where like you know we talked about this before but the call of duty those kind of juggernauts right. they have to deliver consistently because they have an entire industry around them not right. just the developer themselves, but all, you know, the skin makers and all the stuff. But it's like, it's a multi-billion dollar industry and they can't take as many risks with that. Versus yeah, right. back then in the 80s and 90s when these formulas were being established, games weren't that expensive to make yet. Yeah. And uh, and, and and when we talk, like Rick, what you're just saying, you know, these AAA games, like Symphony of the Night was basically a AAA or at least like a AA plus team. Like it was like, you know, it, it, it may not have had like the budget uh, of Castlevania 64, I would have to look that up because, like, again, my, my brain is just saying, uh, go back in time and remember that, like, everyone was trying to hype up Castlevania 64 and Symphony of the Night was supposed to play second fiddle. Like, I couldn't, I just can't get that out of my head. But, you yeah, know, these aren't like. Oh, go ahead. Oh, I just say these weren't like the inferior, like, you know, second, you know, B team devs. Like, they had the, the good folks on them and. They were just able to take more risks without having to worry about what investors and shareholders were going to say. Yeah, and I think it's, you know, even though, like, AAA game development back in the 90s was still, you know, teams of less than 50 people. Yeah. You know, it's like... Um, I feel like like uh, so many teams seem like they're, like, 25 people. Like, yeah. they seem like this, like, sweet spot number where you, you might have a couple more here or there, a couple less, but it was just everybody knew everybody you know like there's no way that you have that today where that's like like what everybody on the team knows each other sakaguchi from the final fantasy fame uh he talks about like 25 being the ideal team size and i'm guessing it's because that's what he was used to Mm -hmm. um and so like as games got bigger that's partly i think why he moved his team to hawaii well he one reason is he wanted to be in hawaii um, right. <laughs> that's a good reason though yeah like, the, the, I, I i don't see any flaws in his reasoning no. here at yeah all. But, but the other thing was like you know he could get away from the uh the bigness of square as it was becoming bigger and be like hey i have my own small team here and we're gonna make games and then yeah. he made you know he started his own studio that kind of does the same thing that still as i understand it is typically around 20 25 people Mistwalker, right is it still Mistwalker? Uh, yeah, I think so. Are they? I'm trying to remember um, Fantasian. I'm trying to remember if that's if that's still the the dev's name or if he if he split. But either way, it's still a small group. Yeah. Uh, and you know, I just there's something. Uh, I'm trying to say. I'm trying to think. There's something that's always going to get lost as the teams start to get larger um, on these on these projects. And man, when you look at Symphony of the Night. They put like so much stuff in this game, yeah. But it's <laughs> it doesn't ever feel like haphazard or slapdash. You know, like when sometimes like you have an open world game where everything is like like you have open spaces that need to be filled with something, and you can tell that they just probably 
just started putting in assets just to like fill it up so it wasn't just like a <laughs> void of space and like every there's just so much to uncover in Symphony of the Night that like you just don't get uh when you get much larger much larger teams and uh I don't yeah. know man it's it's wild to me. Well I mean it's you know you talk about a game like um like Call of Duty which has, you know, a team of at least like a thousand people working potentially on three different continents. And it's like, you know, how do you manage that and keep any kind of personality in a game? Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like you can't. You know, if you talk about, uh, like, the the difficulty of running a city of, you know, 500 people, even that is difficult. But then when you talk about running a right. city of a million people or a country right. of 300 million people, it's like it just becomes more complicated and any decision affects more people in right. a less clear way. And yeah. so it's like, you know, game development can be kind of thought of the same way. You yeah, have there's no the, black and white. This is good. This is bad. Um, it's just different and that you have to adapt to as the numbers get larger. Yeah, and it's kind of like, you know, someone like Koji Igarashi, uh, you know, he sits at the top. And so the more people under him, the less connected he is to any specific decision because he can't be. You know, right. if, a, if a game requires the amount of assets of like a call of duty or something like that he has to delegate and so he has to delegate a lot and so it becomes sort of like a bureaucratically created game which is exactly what it needs to be but it also has like nothing to say right it's it's uh oh man there's so many there's so many games that that's uh, that's in the today right that's what you get with that the triple a studios are going to i mean there's plenty of good triple a games but in yeah. general, you're going to get more risk-taking on the indie scene, which, I mean, that's bigger than it's ever been. I mean, I think, like, yeah. you know, Nintendo Switch has now the most games of any platform ever because it just it, it has, opened it the floodgates to, be, to indie to games. at this point. Yeah, it, there's so many. Uh, yeah. I mean, like, there, and, you know, the 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 interesting thing about it was it, 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 it sort of, like, rehomed a lot of games that came out on, you know, uh, like, the, like, during the PS3 era that, like, a lot of people might have missed because right. you know they were focused on AAA titles and maybe not like the AA ones as much. And like these ones have been like rediscovered, you know, remastered. At least, I mean, not like fully like remade or anything. We're not talking FF Seven remake like levels of uh, you know hours put back into it. But then you know they find a home and good sales again on the Switch, and uh, right. it sort of like rejuvenated a lot of these uh, once like dormant studios um which is really cool i mean i I think that's i think that's great uh i wish i wish you know konami would do something with their long dormant ips other than pachinko (laughs) and uh horrible things you know like uh it seems like there's just not a lot of uh care and thought put into them um Konami's doing pretty well, though, right? I mean, they have they, several they, they are, really well-selling um, franchises at this point, so maybe not the yeah. ones we want to see, but, you know. Right, but, I mean, a lot of it still is is going to stun back to, uh, you know, like the pachinko machines, which make them tons of money uh, in Japan, and uh, licensing those uh, those characters and those IPs. Uh, but you're just not going to see a lot, because I mean, none of the people are still there. Like, there's just, like, none of the developers at Konami that used to be there. You know, Hideo Kojima yeah. and... Um, Igarashi and all these people are going. Well, they are all doing their own indie things now, like AAA indie uh, level things. But um, before we get too far, Rick, I wanted to see what was your what was your first experience with with Symphony of the Night. I, d- I don't want to I don't want to forget uh, to 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 touch on that because I feel like I want I want touchstones 
for the episode. I want to see where, where you guys jumped in. Yeah, it's a little interesting because I didn't play Symphony of the Night until a little bit later. Uh, maybe not quite as late as we discussed earlier here, but I actually <clears throat> say the dirty word. I emulated it first. Uh, I was into PC gaming in the early 2000s, uh, and I believe I had a PSX emulator on my PC and an S-Video cable strung across my apartment floor to my TV. Yeah. I experienced the PlayStation the first time because... I think we mentioned it before, but I had access to to rental games from my parents' uh, business. Yeah. And they had already gotten out of that by the time the PlayStation came around. So my exposure to PlayStation became very minor because we had so much Super Nintendo at home and stuff. Right. A, they weren't going to invest in that. Plus, then I was on my own. And at that point, I was into PC gaming. So I was on the yeah. PC 100%. So I played Symphony of Night on a emulator, basically. Played through it uh, that way in the early 2000s. I'm going to say... 2003 maybe but and just like just loved it and that kind of started my love for the metroidvania genre and then that was about the time that the game boy advance was popular and then of uh, course yeah. i bought circle of the moon uh actually on a trip to italy of all places i bought it the uh, game boy advance has no region lockout so you can play any game any yeah. console which is nice played yeah, through that nice. on that trip and just like this is amazing and then you know eventually leading you know, to aside of sorrow from the, the the lack of backlighting back <laughs> yeah really, really I, really there's that the part eyes. i remember sitting outside in the uh summer sun in italy and playing just happily and then going into where i was staying and i couldn't see anything and like trying oh, man. to you know, and angle that, that it first one yeah, yeah uh yeah harmony the the right harmony dissonance that's what you just said uh, uh circle of the moon was, harmony of dissonance are of sorrow i think uh, of circle sorrow of the moon BB. was the one that was really hard to see right if i remember right because like Everything yeah. was brand new, and folks were just trying to figure out how to program for it. And I, I just, I feel like I remember that game being even harder than the other ones to see mm-hmm. um, on the original game before the backlight uh, became a thing. Yeah, which, it was. Oh, thank and, God uh, it did. I believe a lot of times what they did this, they oversaturated the colors. You can see them better on yeah. the non-lit screen, which then caused a problem when you put in an IPS panel now <laughs> on a Game Boy Advance because they get super powerful colors. So I, I think you could even see a little bit of sort of like the compensation like if you've checked out the castlevania advance anniversary mm-hmm. collection on any of the new uh consoles uh switch being where i played it uh i feel like this colors are even still a little saturated on yeah. on that one because uh you know of the of the technological limitations literally of <laughs> lighting um mm-hmm. you know in 2003 2003 yeah that's um, funny oh go uh, ahead i was just playing the uh the Castlevania collection today for the Game Boy or the Game Boy Advance one. Um, so, Rick, my uh, Game Boy Advance Castlevania story is kind of similar to yours. I can't remember mm. which one I was playing, but my family went on a two-week trip to like the Grand Canyon in California, and my dad rented an RV, which turned out to be a disastrous idea. <laughs> that there is an RV. Yeah, it's, but, it's now a Disney direct-to-DVD movie, you know. Yeah, well, oh, when we man. got to California, my dad was debating whether he should just drive it across the border to Mexico and leave it and then try to get the insurance <laughs> to buy us uh, plane tickets home. He hated it wow. so much. National um, Lampoon, Eddie but, Rathke's horrible family vacation, yeah. Mexican fiasco. But what I remember a lot about that trip was uh, sitting, so like the RV had like a loft above the cab and I spent... Yeah, as they do. Yeah, I spent tons of time up there playing whichever uh, whichever Castlevania game it was. I I can't remember which, which of those three, but it was one of them. Yeah, and, uh, it sure was. Sure was. If something. you were the, uh, did you have a did you have a, a whip, a blue outline in your character, or did you have random weapons like in Symphony of Night? Remember that? 
because uh, if I... it was the Soma Cruise, that that's the that's the real, real, real good one. Oh yeah, that's Aria <laughs> Sorrow. That's oh, the yeah. one I was. That's the one I was just playing before the call. Um, that's so I, good. I don't remember actually. I so this is like my memory of it is actually that it was Symphony of the Night, but I know it wasn't. Mm-hmm. Well, it, for all intents and purposes. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, it's like I mean, Aria but is legit like straight up basically a sequel to Symphony. Yeah, it, but it's it, as much a sequel to Symphony as Symphony is to Rondo. Yeah, so. I just mean like I I know it wasn't Symphony of the Night because it couldn't be, but right. <laughs> uh, I I don't remember which of the three it was. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I played played the wheels off that. I actually don't know. I don't know if I've ever beaten a Castlevania besides Castlevania sixty four. Oh, that's that's impressive. Yeah, um, um, well, here's <laughs> two the, layers here's, of impressive. Here's the thing, though. Here's the thing. Some of the Castlevanias. Uh, get real hard, especially towards the end. Yes. Um, has have either of you uh, ever played all the way through Rondo of Blood? No. Dracula no. X, Akamaja Dracula Chronicles X. Holy crap! At the okay, so it's real good. Obviously, um, uh, for for the, for the recording of the podcast, uh, I was joking. I was telling a couple of my friends the other day. I was like, you know, I want to refresh myself on Symphony because I haven't played it in so long. Um, and you know, every time I play it, it's like, there's years in between playing it. And so I didn't remember where like anything was, I just vaguely, you know, I, I sort, I sort of had these vague ideas of where things were. So like, I spent a lot of time backtracking, uh, I guess some of the things that I don't like about symphony are like some of the backtracking is real far when you got to like go from it. Like I need this item. It's really far away. And then I got to come all the way back here. And so I'm like, okay, that could have been probably cinched up a little bit. Um, but anyway, I, I think overall Symphony of the Night is, is challenging, but I don't ever feel like it's like too, too hard. But man, there were certain parts where I did not think I was going to get through Rondo of Blood. I'm like, I don't know if I've got like the I'm 42, man. Like, I don't think I can do the the, the, the button uh, precision, uh, pressing, jumping, swinging of the whip uh, to, to, to get through these. And then there's like a boss rush before you get to Dracula. And I had forgotten about that because um I don't even remember if I ever beat Rondo back then. I think I might have gotten hung up on that boss rush. There's at least on because there's branching paths. It's a little bit different. And we can talk about this like some other time when we focus more on Rondo. But, uh, you know, I'm like fighting all these monsters. And then you get uh, after you kill Frankenstein, you get some health. But then you still have another boss or two. And I'm like, I don't I don't understand. Like, how am I how am I ever supposed to do this? I eventually did. Uh, I, I sent you guys the the screen caps because I was so happy that I'd finally done it. Uh, literally minutes before we started the podcast, um, I, I was playing the uh, Turbo Graphics CD uh, version because I wanted to. I'd never beaten that one. I was like, this this seems like as good a time as any to to, to play this one. Uh, and man, that game is hard. And <laughs> yeah. like yeah. when I was playing through it, I was like, I I really feel like I understand why a lot of people tell me I like Castlevania games, but I've never beaten them or I never get very far. They're pretty cool, but they've, they, they're intimidating and whatnot. And I'm like, I can see that. I, I get it because like that was that was challenging, at least for me. I'm old now. Like I need I need my no, handheld I'm... a little bit on the difficulty meter. So um, last year I played through all the 2D Mario's. And after I did that, um, I was playing through the Castlevania games, starting with the first one. And all those games are so hard, and not in a fair way. They like, are hard. Oh, man, they, two. If you're not ready for what two is going to bring to your doorstep, uh, it, you're going to have kind of a bad time, I feel like, with two. I mean, even like one and three and four, it's like you get to these 
hallways where you need to do uh, platforming that's not necessarily that easy. And then there's just like right. a an insane amount of guys on screen. And you have those, oh, stupid, yeah. those stupid Medusa heads, which I can <laughs> still never hit. Yeah. Oh, they're so hard. The, the the bats, the bats and the Medusa heads are really hard. Even when like so, like on the advanced uh, collection uh-huh. uh, and the anniversary collection. Uh, the anniversary collection is how I played a lot of the originals recently. Yeah. Same. Um, you know, you can like, is it save states or rewind? I can't remember. It's one one or the other. Which I I personally like for a lot of these old games. You did because I don't want to play the whole level again. You know, like I just don't. I didn't like, know that I, they had that. Uh, I'm pretty sure they do. I'm pretty. They they at least they they might have both for they sure. Probably but they do. For sure I have just, one. Uh, I'm just a, I'm and, just dumb. And here's the thing. Like, I swear to God, if a goddamn bat knocks me into one more pit one more time, there's like times where I'm just like, I'm gonna lose it. You know, like. Well, because like, we talked about always... it before how the the feel like in Mario, you have very direct input. With Castlevania, it's like yeah. you're gonna make that jump. You're committed, and if there's something in the way, you're gonna land on it. You have zero yeah. control Every once time, you push yeah. the jump button. And especially like, and here's the thing that's, it's like, it's, it's, uh, compounded when you jump and also swing your whip because you have committed to, to two actions, which is, is extra weighty. Uh, and so you're just going to sail into some enemies sometimes, or you're going to sail into them and then drop into a pit and it's, it's never going to not suck. The dropping into the pit (laughs) is the most, like the, the, the recoil of your character sucks so hard because I, I probably died hundreds of times that way where you're you're fine you just got hit it's no big deal it's like oh but it knocked you back a foot so now you're dead because you fell yeah. into the abyss oh man there's and i you know i forgot about a lot of this stuff like what you're what you're talking about eddie like we we mentioned it before and and i should have like just really thought about it more when you're talking about like the precision of the jumping because i was more like thinking to get across pits but i wasn't also factoring in like the enemies and stuff yeah. And there's a lot of precision while you're trying to jump through enemies, pick ones to hit, pick which ones to to ignore, and then keep moving forward. Because really, um, if you, what I found with Rondo uh, playing through certain sections uh, multiple times, I was like, I can see why like speed, like I can see why how like how speedrunners like optimize this. I can't yeah. do it, but I can see that like if you can go fast enough here, if you keep moving and you don't stop and you know where the, to jump, to swing, to jump, to swing, you know, maybe just like pause to like let a yeah. Medusa head or something go over. Like if you can like almost memorize that, like commit it to muscle memory, uh, then it's like, then it's smooth. It's like a smooth experience. But like sometimes there's just so God dang many dudes on the screen that it makes it feel impossible. Yeah, so this is actually I was watching. Um, I've pl- I was I played Rondo of Blood also earlier this year. That was one of the other Castlevania games I played. Um, but I was watching a speedrun of it earlier today, and it's interesting because you know that muscle memory is part of it. But the guy kept just he kept talking about the RNG or like you know the randomness of the guys and how they behave, and so it's like it sounds like. To me, what I took from that is that Castlevania, even for speedrunners, there's some amount of fiddliness in that, like, you know, with Mario, that you can precision down to right. the, you know, frame. Right. But it sounds like that's with how they're perfecting Mario 1. Like, that dude out there running basically the entire thing, except for, like, the last part of World 8. Like, he's yeah. got it optimized to where he can run it as fast as the task spot. And yeah, which is absurd. That's just un. un- just it's that's just another realm of ability that i that i could never have no well i mean it comes from playing it you know ten thousand times 
Um, but one thing that I thought was interesting, um, because I, I, in this plane of Castlevania, I didn't start playing uh, Symphony of the Night until uh, basically we decided to do the episode just on Symphony of the Night, so I started a new game. Mm-hmm. And um, what's interesting about it is how they become less and less platform-focused. Right. Like, Rondo of Blood, um, I, I mean, there's technically some platforming on it, but, like, compared to the first or third or fourth game, there's, like, almost none. Right. You know, it's more just like you're going down the hallways and fighting guys, and which sounds like it's way easier, but as Joe is saying, it is not. <laughs> it, 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 it's it's brutal, man. It's a gauntlet. Like you're just you're just trying to survive sometimes. Yeah, and that's like, what I think. That no, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, you go ahead. I meant that's why to me, Symphony of Night hits such a different beat because yeah. yes, there's platforming, there's action, but it's RPG light elements, and you kind of have the stair step that you're progressing. You're fighting the immediate challenge, and if you get stuck there, you can kind of explore, maybe level up a little bit and run around and do other stuff, versus a very linear game like the Earl of Castlevanias, where it is just level A to B, etc., which is fine. But that's why that hits so different for me, because I like taking the time and feel like I'm in the world and exploring a little bit mm-hmm. before I bang my head against a boss door. Uh, <laughs> right. You have that option, right? You can find a new item, you can grind for stuff in that game, and that gives you a completely different depth of a game. And it's not a game that's designed to basically kill you as much as possible to get your longevity. It's a genuinely huge game. And that's what Metroidvanias really mean. And it's very inviting. It wants you to come back and check stuff out. Yeah. Um, So um, did you guys know, I'm sure you did, at least if nothing else, you'd heard rumors, uh, like with Symphony of the Night, that you can keep Alucard's gear uh, at the beginning of the game. Like Death, you meet him. He's like, hey, uh, you know... I really don't want to hurt you because you're my boss's son and I'd really hate to upset the boss, but I can't let you kill the boss. Cease your attack. Yeah. And so, so typically death, you know, you, you meet him real soon in the game, you know, you do some things, uh, you know, and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, I remember always hearing about, you know, people, uh, taking the time to figure out how to like keep your, keep your gear. And so I was looking up, it's like, there's two ways, an easy way and a hard way, the easy way. Use the luck code, and it gives you a thing to put in for the name of your character, uh, and that gives you extra luck. And then you, I guess you can like let the warg do something called the big toss, and it tosses you past death's room. Uh, I was never able to get that to work like way back in the day. Uh, so I was like, well, that's probably not going to work for me. And then there's <laughs> the hard way, which is starting out the game with a heat refresh, where you spend all of your hearts with Richter in the pro- prologue. Then, at the last warg before death, you need to make a glitch called screen shift, what you need to do is simple but hard, which that doesn't make sense, but, you know, game facts. You need to, quote, use the sprint summon to kill the last warg, backdash, level up while backdashing, and use a heart refresh to make a screen shift, then go to the caverns, and when you go back, death is gone. Um, so anyway, I was like, I'm never, that's, I'm not going to do that. That sounds like know? a schoolyard urban myth. Like, you know, did you know do you do this? That happens? <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, the the only reason I even brought it up on the podcast is because they provide links to videos where you can watch someone do it, and um, I'm just that's not me. Yeah, and I so, watched a, I watched a speed run of Symphony of the Night too, and uh, yeah, they 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 skipped a lot of stuff. Um, yeah, like and I guess that's part of it. Like you, skip... I think you can like go but like between like between the level like between rooms like they're like yep. uh, like jittering through, and it's like uh, what what's happening? <laughs> like, yeah, so they like, skipped no clipping death. right through it. <laughs> 
they skipped the meeting of Richter. They, you know, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know how you do these things, but. Uh, yeah, I don't know how me, you would, because, like, meeting Richter <laughs> is real pivotal to, like, open up something later in the game, which I want to talk about once Eddie's done with this, because I, I have a whole point to the, the Alucard thing, uh, but I want to hear what you have to say first. Oh. I was going to say, like, to me, watching someone speedrun it, um, I didn't know that they were doing these fancy glitches. It just looked like I was like, I was like, oh, you just don't have to go to the room with death. You can just avoid that stupid room the whole time. Because uh, that's literally yeah. what it looks like, is, like, instead of going to death's room, he just goes the other way yeah. and i was like oh my yeah, god so there's there's these just <laughs> methods to, to bypass it so so what i what i was reading to you obviously is the ps1 version which you know most people have played or emulated um i can't remember i think this is the one that's on the ps4 collection um uh, eddie you played it did it have like the bars on the side and stuff it probably, yeah. probably did um so the version that i played was from the Dracula X uh, Chronicles on PSP, which you can unlock both the original Rondo of Blood and Symphony of the Night. Um, I've had these forever. So, you know, I just started a new game in Symphony of the Night and I accidentally learned something. Uh, It is not identical to the PS1 version. Correct. Because as I was going, um, you know, with Alucard at the beginning, uh, when you got the Alucard stuff, you're just one-shotting all the enemies, right? When you walk through, you can one-shot the wargs, you can one-shot the zombies. Yeah. Uh, you know, you go through the thing, you can you break yourself through that little, like, tunnel area, like, right at the beginning. And so you have access to a little bit. I think you can go kill some mermen. And I was, like, going, and then, like, I w- was, like, going through Death's Door, but because uh, in Symphony of the Night, it gives you these little visual clues that you're about to fight a boss... I was like, oh, oh, this is that part. I, no, I'm going to go back. While I can still one-shot these enemies, I'm going to go back and, you know, level up a little bit. I want to get to, like, level four or five or something before I go <laughs> on, right? So that it's like I can do a little bit more damage. Uh, what I didn't realize is that there was, I guess, a glitch added to the PSP version. Because uh, I just, like, I was like, oh, no, no, I don't want to fight death. I don't want to fight death. So I was trying to back out. I backed out, and I got to keep his gear. Death was gone. <laughs> I didn't have to do any of that bullshit that I just read to you. That's fine. Like I had, this had never happened to me before. I was just like thinking I want to keep my stuff. I didn't realize that that was I've had how long when when did the Dracula uh X Chronicles PSP thing come out, man? That was like so I, long ago. 2005 um, or something like that or Cuz yeah, like least, I got it at least when it was uh, I don't know, a long time ago. I got it when it was available to, you know, I've had it on my Vita forever. And I never knew this entire time, which it was cool to discover something. And then I go online and I find that, yeah, uh, if you're looking that stuff up, you can just find it right away. Hey, uh, the PSP version is legit. You can keep Alucard's gear by just literally backing out of the room immediately. Um, So did that make the game way harder? No, uh, (laughs) but it was interesting because um, like, so what I was doing is I was like, just kind of like enjoying uh, a kind of like a casual playthrough up until a point because right. that gear will only get you uh, th- like three-fourths of the way through the game. Um, but like it was interesting because I was like, oh, I see why I see why this is what like speedrunners do to keep the gear because or you, they do whatever they got to do to keep it yeah. because they can, you know, work on pathing now. Um, and it's just kind of like interesting because like like that stuff is like good until it's not. Like, it's like you kind of like all of a sudden come up on some enemies like later in the game after some interesting uh, uh, flippity floppity things happen, uh, which, I, you know, 
I don't think I knew about for a long time. I certainly didn't know when it came out. I guess I stayed pretty spoiler free. But um, this is not a spoiler now because no. the age of the internet. But there's a whole god dang extra castle mm-hmm. that <laughs> it's upside down. You just and, mean, uh, imagine a meeting happening when they're deciding that. It's like, well, the game is all right, but we need you know we need something extra. Like, why don't we just flip the whole castle upside down? Like, literally, you're getting a castle. bonus. You know, and 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 the crazy thing is, like, it's not just the same enemies in the upside down part. Like it, it's it feels completely different. Yeah, I'd say I'd say, I'd say it feels eighty percent different. I mean, there's still some stuff like it's very recognizable. Um, that like, and it's not the first you know, game to do the whole mirror world. I mean, look right. at Link to the Past, nothing else, right? The the yeah, two but, world thing seems fairly common in that kind of genre. So, but at the same time, it just felt it. Even this, even I just played it, you know, obviously we've all played it within like recently and it feels fresh. Like it yeah. feels like what they did with it <laughs> because, you know, you get I, the I ability get that far this time, but, but you have seen it at least or been there at some yeah, point. So I actually have a weird question because, um, it's been a really long time since I played the, uh, the Game Boy Advance version, but or, uh, the Game Boy Advance games, but do any of those have a flipped castle? I actually don't know. Mm, I don't think I, so. I think, Not it's, that I can I think remember. it's just Symphony okay. of the Night. So apologies think, to the listeners if uh, I'm wrong, but I don't think so. Then maybe what happened is that I actually played Symphony of the Night way back then too, and the Game Boy Advance version and the Symphony of the Night version have melded in my head because I have such a clear memory of playing on my Game Boy Advance. And maybe this is why, to me, it, in my memory, I was playing Symphony of the Night on my Game Boy Advance is because... Probably like three weeks before that, I was playing Symphony of the Night. Yeah, you're playing stuff back to back. Yeah, books, and because like do this to me too. I have this weird memory of like on my Game Boy Advance the castle flipping, but I I don't think that that is possible. Um, yeah, because like Game Boy now, Advance but... uh, would not have had any sort of port or anything because that was just like they it was were more not a storage problem right a memory problem right, because yeah. the cartridge was not that large versus cd can store a lot of assets comparison yeah. right so i mean it's probably just a practical issue at that point and that that sweet sweet red book audio uh, music oh man it's so good <laughs> yeah and the loading uh, times they're amazing <laughs> well yeah. okay so it's funny because like you know you go through the rooms that say cd you know when you're walking between places because mm-hmm. those are loading screens yeah, um, but I like that CD could also stand for Castle Dracula, uh, which is what I thought it was the whole time. He is like, super it vain. Occurred. In other words, he is super vain. He's just like, hey, it's my castle. Don't forget <laughs> it. it. Yeah, he absolutely would do that. Yeah, but yeah. like this is the first time I'm like, yeah, compact disc. Uh, you know, for the kids listening that don't know what that was, music was bought in stores. On these oh, things. now. <laughs> anyway, but uh, so anyway, yeah. But on, on the Saturn, uh, the Saturn version, which uh, actually is uh, not as good. Um, especially with loading times, because um, those 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 corridors you walk through with the CDs, it's pretty seamless. In Symphony of the Night, you go through, you walk through the thing, and it's loaded. Uh, but you still walk through the thing, and in the Saturn one, there's just like a delay, uh, which you know that's that's something. Um, <laughs> but, <clears throat> there is some Saturn specific stuff though, so I feel like that game should mm-hmm. be played at least once if you can. Do find a way to emulate it or something. Uh, I highly recommend it just just to see just a little bit of extra stuff. If you're yeah. Really did did both of you guys uh, replay Symphony of the Night or any of Symphony of the Night this like in the last two weeks? Yeah, I played the whole thing. I okay. didn't. I haven't for a while. Start, but... I I wasn't going to. This is well. This is what I was told my friends. I was like, I sat down. I wanted to refresh myself on this. I'm just going to play a little bit. 
Uh, but this game, man, every single time I sit down to play it, I just want to play it a little bit more. Yeah. And I want to play it a little bit more. Um, it, and then I'm like, have... I just want to unlock a little bit more. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It does have that sort of like, um, so before FromSoft became FromSoft, I feel like Castlevania kind of did this where it's like, you know, you, especially in the early, like the true platforming ones where it's like, this game is unfair. So when you get through a level, it feels like the greatest thing that's ever happened to you in your life. Like it's such a huge accomplishment. And uh, I was so annoyingly stuck in the Royal Chapel on that big staircase Oh yeah, is it the um, one with, like all the swords that fly around in the middle, like trying to get to either side? Yeah, yeah, that's part of it too. Yeah, <laughs> but it's, so it's like you basically you go a very long way without a save, and in between there's a boss. So it's like you get a bunch of upgraded gear, you get a bunch of health increases and things like that, and then uh, you have to fight a boss, and then after you fight the boss, you can save. And I kept getting to the boss with like half health. Um, yeah. Which is or annoying. less. Which it's is worse when you got like you're like I can I got one hit. This boss hits me once and I'm dead. Yeah, and you still try. You're like I'm gonna I'm gonna give it the old college try. Yeah, and, and so well. like I did some amount of the game by cheating on the bosses by using the stopwatch or whatever. I don't know oh, what nice. Call it, the stopwatch. But, I call uh, it the stopwatch. Yeah, it didn't. It doesn't work on that boss. Oh man, I don't know why. But which is funny. Is so it like, the clock? I, is it because it's like so close to the clock tower? You think? Oh, that might be. That would be... <laughs> or it's just a no super idea. cheap mechanic that you could literally just one-shot him. I mean, you could basically whim with the boss super easy I'm going to do the yeah. thing that Gene Wolfe's fans do with Book of the New Sun, and I'm going to say the authorial intent was so great, <laughs> they knew exactly what they were doing. And because of the proximity to the time dilation created by the clock tower, the stopwatch has no effect on the boss. That's exactly what happened. But it's funny because so I w- there's only a few places you can get the stopwatch and at that point in the game there's only one place you can get it so i had to go way back to that stupid long hallway on the other side of the castle which to get to takes your entire life um and then i had Mm -hmm. to go all the way back and then it didn't work but hilariously uh it was like the one time i did a perfect boss fight i only got hit like twice Nice, nice. <laughs> and it's not like it was a boss that i had fought like 30 times i had fought it like two times and it, and i like died right away because i didn't have any health but like, uh, i don't want to do i don't want to mess with this i want the stopwatch i'm gonna go back and get it yeah and it's just useless and uh but it, because like, because yeah. of the authorial intent was so great he knew that when you backtracked and came back you would be that much stronger and well prepared from well, maybe that's part uh, of it <laughs> timing the enemies that you had to backtrack through which is definitely part of it like that's kind of you know what rick was talking about it's like uh if if you get stuck, you can just sort of beat your head against it, or you can go somewhere else and yeah, kind of and through explore, you level up very naturally just by mm-hmm. playing the game. Um, it's really hard to skip enemies until you get the double jump. Yes, um, because like they're just in Man, your I way. Wish. <laughs> I love. Okay, so I have this like these mixed thoughts in the double jump. I love it so much because it when you get it, it feels perfect. Like, I'm like, I wish it was this way the whole time. Yeah. But then I also feel like it would also trivialize parts of the castle that are meant to be, you know, you you have to think, like, long term. Like, man, we put all this work in at, at this beginning part of the of the castle, and it's, like, so, like, well-designed, and it's really meant for one single jump. And you're defeating the purpose and not really experiencing this part if you have the double jump. But, man, I, will, I love that double jump. It's so good. Yeah, I think that that critique 
applies way more to Metroidvanias in general, like post Super Metroid and Symphony of the Night, where it's like, uh, you know, Hollow Knight is a great game, but, um, well, Hollow Knight is interesting because it does just feel really good in general the whole time, Mm -hmm. I think. But, you know, some of the other Metroidvanias where you get these power-ups, you're like, the game feels incomplete until you have them. Right. You know? And, Although uh, Hollow Knight, like, when you get, like, the double jump and the air dash, it just, that's when it becomes Hollow Knight. You know, yeah. It's, I think, I think, what I think what actually, we'll talk about this when we do a Hollow Knight episode, but I actually think there are two things that make Hollow Knight Hollow Knight. One is the sort of creepy, cute design, and the other one yeah. is uh, the sword slash. Um, it, I think, it feels so good. Yeah, I think the sword slash is unbelievably great. Um, especially when you compare it to any Castlevania attack. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, I got to be honest, though. I I, I, I always go back and forth because you guys know that Hollow Knight's like a top like five or ten game for me all time. Uh, but whenever I replay either um, Aria of Sorrow or uh, Symphony of the Night, which end up becoming like my favorite Castlevanias, like depending on which one I played most recently, um, like those feel good. Like, the Sword Slash feels really good in Symphony of the Night and Aria. Um, I do think it's surpassed in Hollow Knight, but, like, uh, I, you know, Hollow Knight had to get it from somewhere. Like, they had to have a, a, you know, something to base it off of. They had to have sort of, like, a frame of reference. And, yeah. uh, man, I think you're spot on, though, Eddie. It feels so good to swing the sword, or the needle, in Hollow Knight. Yeah, and, uh, you know... It has a little bit of Mario texture to the movement, too, where, you know, you slide and you can kind of feel the weight of your your little buddy there. And the sword, I feel like, is a big part of that, too. Um, But, yeah, all the power-ups in that game, they they don't... It doesn't feel like it's incomplete until you get that. It feels like you're... I don't know. I think this is maybe part of just, like, how good the world is, too. But uh, but we've all played other Metroidvania games where it doesn't feel that way. Right. Where it's like if there's a double jump until you have the double double jump the game kind of feels like garbage. Yeah. Or I mean what you said even before even if it's not bad it's just not complete. It's not yeah. there. It's not it's not what it will be. You know, you're not like looking like I I never play Hollow Knight and I'm like man I can't wait till X Y and Z. I'm like enjoying the time. When I play Symphony of the Night I'm enjoying the time. Right. Uh, Aria of Sorrow, enjoying the time. Well, having that uh, like kind of smooth progression is so important. That's when you notice yeah. that like I can't get around the way I want to without this ability. If right. the game is well designed, it feels natural. And that's of course, double jump was kind of new. Uh, right. You know, you know which game does not have a double jump, and that's Super Metroid. That's a high yeah. boots instead. But again, the game doesn't feel like you're missing it. And the same with yeah. Symphony of the Night. In the beginning, you feel natural. I'm just jumping, and Alucard's jumping, and oh my god, I can jump twice now. You know, yeah. it opens so up possibilities. He um, feels so much better to play than any any Belmont. Yeah, and, uh, which I mean, Belmont needs to lay out the wall turkey. Is what I'm saying. He's a little too heavy. Oh so. man, yeah, they're so <laughs> heavy. But like, I mean, you look at the old Belmonts, and they look like you know they're basically like barbarians, very muscle bound. Uh-huh. Uh, Richter is Richter becomes the most svelte of the Belmonts. Um, but it's cool because in Symphony of the Night you can play as Richter. You you, you can do the whole thing, uh, old school uh, Castlevania style. It's very yeah. similar to what they did in uh, the Dead Cells Castlevania DLC, which is excellent. Uh, can't recommend that enough. 
Um, and you can play like Dead Cells, you know, with like Richter, and it's wild because it's so different. Rick, did you get a chance to to mess around with that at all? Oh, or, it, it was it was fantastic. Like getting to the final boss here and the music, and it was great. To, I just realized we've gotten really far into this, and we have not posted the most important question: What is a man? <laughs> a, a miserable, miserable pile of secrets. But enough talk. How about you? Anyway, got that <laughs> um, in my system. So- we can move on. So it's so you know what's interesting is uh, at the end of Rondo of Blood, uh, the the ending has like a lot of like dialogue that they reworked to you know you beat Dracula and Rondo and then he does like some of this monologuing that they actually inserted into the beginning of Symphony like and so it's like a it's it's almost like a misremembering uh, a swerve from the original material which I thought was really cool because. Uh, I I just don't know why I don't have a recole- a strong recollection of uh, beating Rondo before, and I think sometimes like I would like beat a game and then like go to the bathroom and like not not always pay attention to the ending because you could always look endings up later. And whenever I do that, I never go back and look <laughs> look stuff up. It's really a really bad habit. But like I was like, man, this is like number one, the voice acting and the Turbo Graphics sixteen uh, version. They should have just put just ported that straight over. I know that it's like funny and charming in uh uh in Symphony uh sort of um the, this time I actually when I played Symphony I played with the the Japanese voices uh and uh and and because I don't speak Japanese it just wasn't the same because it wasn't yeah. so over the top and hammy um but it's like it feels like I, I don't know pretty legit like it's not like good voice acting but it's like it's very fitting because they were going for like an anime kind of thing uh, with both Rondo and Symphony, and it like fits really well, like the voices that they have, uh, the English voices. Um, oddly enough, the Turbo Graphics 16 is like, uh, I believe it's like a German ROM, but it has the English language on it, which is really cool. I don't know. Why <laughs> I it think never that came that's here. the only, uh, pretty much all of them, I believe, I could be mistaken. There have the the German voice in the oh, Rondo. do they? Yeah, on the Turbo Graphics 16 CD, and that's the only one I've ever heard. Anyway, I yeah, played the yeah, place fantastic on the Mister, by the way, too. But um, yeah. The, uh, yeah, as far as I know, it's only the German one because it was never released in the U.S. So that version. Nope, not, I think. We didn't get it. We didn't get any Rondo until um, the PSP. Uh, you know, the two point five D version, which is fine. It's not. It's nowhere near as good, in my opinion. It just doesn't quite feel right. Um, and then the much maligned, but actually pretty good Super Nintendo version of Dracula X, which again is more of like a sixteen bit reimagining. Um, I don't know. Me me saying that that's not even correct because like TurboGrafx 16 itself was not even really a 16 bit system. It was kind of like two 8 bit systems working together with the CD drive. Um, <laughs> and so like uh, one thing uh, I actually remembered this from a Retronauts episode a long time ago. Uh, Jeremy Parrish was talking about the uh, there's a scene when you're going kind of through. I think it's the the town. And there's like some fire in the background, and it looks good fine on the uh you know the turbo graphics version but man it like the transparencies that the super nintendo can do looks so good and while you're not getting the red book audio uh like music on rondo like a lot of the stuff that was like put back into the 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 snes version it's like it's really good on the super nintendo's like sampled uh you know synth chips um i don't know man like i know that it's not it's not like the uh, Dracula X Rondo of Blood experience, but like that that Super Nintendo game is good. Like the Dracula fight is bullshit. Like it's super hard. It is way harder. <laughs> it is way harder than the Turbo Graphics. Did you one. bring the stopwatch? No. 
No, here's yeah. the thing. <laughs> uh, so when I played uh, the Super Nintendo version, it was uh, uh, on my uh, 3DS from the eShop. And so it had save states. And so that was like the only way I could beat Dracula on it. I'm like, I can't, I can't beat this, dude. Like I gotta, I'm going to hit him, create a save state. I'm going to hit him again, create a save. Because like, That's I just want to get to the end. I just want to see the end of this. Like, like pseudo task. Yeah. It's it's so weird. It's so weird because I feel like Dracula X for the most part is easier on the Super Nintendo until you get to Dracula, and then that is ten times harder. So it is like the difficulty <laughs> spike when you think about it in that context is enormous. It is it it feels impossible from what you've just got done, what you were just doing. Like yeah. I was like, oh. that's like that was the very first game I'd ever use like save states like in rapid succession to like beat a boss because I could not do it and and and. and you know, to the listeners, to be fair, there's probably people out there who owned this, grew up playing it, uh, got real good at it, and they're like, man, you know, Joe is a complete baby because he couldn't beat Dracula on, you know, Dracula X Super Nintendo. But man, yeah. I feel like uh, it's Castle- hard, dude. Yeah, I feel like Castlevania games are notoriously hard. Like, um, they just are. I mean, even still, you'll come to some of these hallways and you're just like, this is stupid. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah. like it's not even it's not even fun the first time you play it. you're just like this is so dumb but uh yeah, it's only fun when you get the, the the rhythm of the hallway down yeah i mean and to kind of like what joe is talking about i feel like it's not just with symphony of the night it's uh i felt this with rondo of blood too is like even though i kept dying and being like this game is just stupid i also kept playing <laughs> yeah <laughs> You, um, dude, that's that that what you just said there is another thing that happens with Souls like games. Like, yeah, it, the thing about Souls games, <clears throat> like I've said this before, you like I didn't think they were for me until it unlocked something in my brain, and then it was for me. Like I don't like beating my head against games that are unfairly hard, but like every time I died in a Souls game, I felt like, oh, I see what I did wrong. Uh, yeah. I sort of feel like that in Castlevania, but like not always. Sometimes it's just bullshit. Sometimes think, it just <laughs> it yeah, just kills I, you. I think Symphony of the Night is where it becomes fair. Um, yeah, because yeah, that's, that's, I mean that's a good point. All the games they're beatable. You can you can beat the first Castlevania, but uh, it's stupid. It's stupid to be able to beat it. Like you have spent so much time playing a game that is well. I won't say it, but it sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Good music, though. Yeah, um, and I don't know. Castlevania, they're 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 kind of like a funny thing to me uh, because I haven't actually played that many of them, but I feel like I have always had them in my life. Um, I feel like that too. Like a week, like Rick, where, was it like? Did you grow up with like friends that had had the Castlevanias? Like at least one friend that always had Castlevania. Oh yeah, I, didn't. And, I mean that's. Um, I think because <laughs> the Nintendo was so huge in Scandinavia, it was the console. Like the NES was big everywhere. I know that, but yeah. So everyone had some version of Castlevania, some variety, and we'd all play Castlevania two and just not know what the heck to do, and then oh, just man. turn it Everybody's off. Everybody just lying to you. <laughs> yeah, it's just and it's people, just, just people lying to you left and right. Yeah, I know. And then um, with Super Nintendo having the uh, uh, Castlevania four being the launch title, right? Especially in Europe, it. Played that one quite a bit, never got far, but I enjoyed it every time. Every time I booted up, I kind of set, like, I assume I might not get very far, but I'm having a really good time. Like, it right. feels like that also spikes the difficulty a little bit as you get into those stupid hallways with all the Medusa mm-hmm. heads and yeah. sickles and jumping <laughs> platforms. And Yeah, uh, I feel like the the first stage or two of, 
of Super Castlevania 4. They're not that bad, are they? Like, I don't... Like, I haven't played this in, like, probably seven or eight years, but, like... Tell you exactly like... where. You get to that rotating hall where we have to hold the whip up yep. and swing, and that's oh, when I start dude. dying, and then mm-hmm. yeah. it's it's over. Yeah, what I, yeah I, know, I, I know exactly what you're talking about. Mode 7 graphics, baby. Yep. <laughs> I weirdly <laughs> really like uh, Castlevania 4. Um, oh, yeah. I when love I, it. I think it's when great. When I was playing all the Castlevania games, that was... I liked that the most of the... Uh, I don't know, those, like, first however many. Oh, man. Um, Did you play Bloodlines, though? No. Oh, dude. Bloodlines is the one from Genesis that was on the Genesis that, like, not very many people talk about. And it is right after. It is my, like, hard and fast, hands down, third favorite Castlevania, even over Rondo <laughs> of Blood. Like, it is yeah. so good. I was I was a Nintendo baby, and I still I know, but, but you have I'm it still now, a Nintendo man. You have baby. access. You have access. <laughs> it's so good. It's got... Oh man, it's got the FM synthesis sound. It's got two characters. One's basically a Belmont, even though that's not his name. It's John something. Can't remember. Then you got another John. dude. So like, so like the Belmont dude has a whip. Obviously, that's your traditional Castlevania experience. And then the other guy has a spear. Plays completely different. Hmm. Uh, and both are both are excellent. Anyway, back, so, back to what you're saying. Got to play yeah, both. What what I like about four. Um, this is like a dumb thing to do too, but like on the classics edition. It doesn't save like it. It does the way it does on a Super Nintendo. Where you, it gives you like a code to input to go back to where you were. Um, but every time I stopped playing it, I would just start over again. Save so, states, man. I like, just, well, I mean, to me, it's like I don't know. There, there's no like reason why I just kept. I kept essentially restarting it. Uh, like I'd play it. You know, I'd play like an hour, get to like whatever level, and then a week later, I'd pick it up again and play the same amount. Or maybe I'd get a little farther or whatever. Probably the same amount of time, but I like kept getting farther. Um, well, I never unlike beat Symphony, it. like these ga- these games, you you can beat in a day. You know, like you don't have to like. You can. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying, like it's not we like did Symphony not. of the Night. Yeah. Symphony of the Night took me like something like nine hours, nine hours and some minutes this time, and that's not fast by any means. Like no, speedrunners have it way down, but like it's that's long for a Castlevania. Yeah, what's funny about Castlevania Symphony of the Night, at least the one that I was playing, is it only keeps track of like your active time. Yeah. So like uh so I think my game right now is at like three hours, but I have probably played like six hours of it. You know? yeah, that's, that's crazy. The thing that I think is interesting, especially with Symphony of the Night, is that some of these um you know, quote unquote linear uh Castlevania writers are very good and I point Castlevania four I think has a very smooth curve. The first yeah. few levels, which makes it very enjoyable to play. Maybe that was a launch title Could've... syndrome, but but on Symphony of the Night, there are so many interconnected systems. The fact that the game mm-hmm. doesn't just explode on itself when, like what you just did, you talked about earlier, I'm going to backtrack half the castle, go get that item, and come back. How do you QA for that, or how do you test that to make sure <laughs> yeah. you're not just breaking the game wide open? Because even speedrunning was speed also like to... the regular dudes. Yeah. And the speedrunning techniques around it usually involve glitching, like bypassing death, things like that. There are yeah. very few things in speedrunning in Symphony of Night that try and do within the system. They all do some sort of glitch or breaking of the systems. And yeah. the fact that the game code can support all that stuff in native form from 1997 still yeah. is pretty impressive because right. there are spells, items, uh, you know, different abilities and things to explore, and there is so much in that game. And you put it in a, compared to the linear Castlevania. It's almost mind-blowing how big that game is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, especially when people are going 3D in the early days of the 3D platformers, almost exclusively mascot-driven 3D platformers, right? Um, right. 
you look at a full 2D game that is so massive, and then also you get to the end and like, holy crap, it's twice as big, you know? Yeah. That's what always makes that game stand the test of time because it, it holds up today. If someone released this game today with maybe a little bit more modern quality of life improvements, it would, it would, it would be amazing. Still be, yeah, it would still be a, a 10 out of 10. Which yeah, is why we got three games on the Advance that are almost identical to it, and then one on the DS that's almost identical. Two on mm-hmm. the DS, they're almost so identical. Good. Yeah, well, and I think um, that that's, you know that's why people still talk about you know Super Metroid and Symphony of the Night specifically. People aren't talking about Castlevania One. They're not like, right. oh man, we got to make another one of those. They're like, mm-hmm. you know, yep. the 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 thing that launched a million indie games was Symphony of the Night, basically. Yeah. I mean, I, I talked about last time how I think Symphony of the Night is just a Metroid-like. Yeah. Uh, but I think it's true that without Symphony of the Night, you don't have Metroidvania as a genre. Mm-hmm. Like, even though I still insist that every Metroidvania is just a Metroid game. Yeah. <laughs> I think... <laughs> sometimes I think, without shooting. Sometimes more like a melee-focused Metroid. Yeah. Game. I think uh, Symphony of the Night is the reason why you had... A million imitators mm-hmm. because for whatever reason there have not been that many uh metroid imitators uh, yeah i mentioned axiom, a couple last time and i, I think yeah. it was like a list of what like five games like yeah that were notable. Verge, i think is like the most uh the most metroid e game yeah, shadow complex yeah. that's super metroid yeah, yeah, except modern kind of but yeah that game um, that game rocks but i think what's interesting about rocks you know, Super Metroid and Symphony of the Night is even though they're, you know, 25, 30 years old, they don't actually feel like they're missing a bunch of quality of life updates. Um, they are, I mean, you can talk about like how the backtracking is a bit cumbersome and it's like, you know, for example, for me to get that stopwatch to go literally all the way to the other side of the castle and then walk back, uh, that takes a long time. But it's also, it's like, I didn't have to do that. That was a dumb thing for me to do. You know, <laughs> like yeah, you did. Well, you uh, did it because you wanted to. You're like, this is how I want to do this boss because not yeah. not every boss has like like there's a like. Uh, d- have you guys both beaten Symphony of the Night? Um, whenever I ago. did, it was a really long. Do, time do you guys know the big giant boss? I can't remember his name, but he has like lightning going everywhere, and like, uh, okay, so there's a boss, and he's like larger than he barely fits on the screen. Maybe he doesn't mm-hmm. fit on the screen. And he's got like these lightning attacks where the lightning literally shoots everywhere. And it can just like, it can kill you. Like you can't like really get away from it. And like, there's ways to approach it. And you, you you can like get hits and then like turn into mist and like the lightning will like not hit you. And like, if you get like the power, the, the powered up mist where you can stay mist longer or the mist that, you know, does damage like that can the help a little bit. power up ever. You can stay mist longer. Whoa. Yes. <laughs> Childhood no, but, brain uh, exploded. <laughs> That does help on that one super long hallway with all the spikes if you don't got the spike breaker armor, which, you know, you kick the things over like like twigs. But anyway, like this boss has lightning shooting everywhere. And so, like, you can do all this, like, strategic stuff and, like, whittle his health down very slowly. And he's just got a ton of hit points. Um, or there's, like, uh, there's an item or a shield, like, my, like, lightning shield that, like, absorbs lightning and, like, turns it into health. And, like, yeah. you can, like, just... You, you can just like beat him really quickly. There's like there's like a cheat code combo because there's like lots of ways similar to the way that you can like break Final Fantasy tactics with uh, job classes mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, different combinations. You can actually like break this game 
if you don't take the time to like go find the 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 super powerful chrysogram sword which i don't know if you guys have heard about um probably have i know a bunch of listeners will definitely um hear about it you get it in the library where there's like a bunch of characters from the wizard of oz and the inverted uh, castle they're just like hanging out the tin man and like <laughs> everybody the <laughs> scarecrow um it's like this it's like a one out of like 512 chance of getting it but you can get these things that increase your luck like the oh god what is that thing the arcane band or bangle or something um and so anyway you get the chrysogram it's like it, it, it's insane uh, amounts of dps you can swing while moving so you can just like swing but every time you swing it also swings like four extra times out ahead of you so it's like you're doing like constant DPS. It's uh, it's similar to this other weapon called the Vorpal Blade, but it's like you know way better. Um, but if you don't have the Chrysogram, you don't you don't got to worry about it because you could get the Shield Rod and use it with the Alucard Shield. And when you do that, you are like <laughs> your shield is doing damage. But when you're combining these two things, and I don't even think that the people you know Rick was talking about QA, I don't think they plan for this, but like you're doing a base hit damage of 255 hit points which is a lot for for this yeah. game and and it's 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 constantly it's if it's in contact <laughs> with the enemy it's it's constantly doing 255 so you're doing That's like this, in, this this crazy burst damage uh and so like if you don't have like the best weapons the shield rod i think is pretty common like i think you can get it multiple places maybe maybe there's only one but like it's not like i don't remember it being hard i feel like i find it every time i go through it and you equip it with the Alucard shield, and then it's just you have entered a cheat code <laughs> in the system that is completely allowed. And because it was from '97, they can't patch it out. It just yeah. is, it's just part of the game. And that's I think charm that, to it. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. It's like there's something nice about the uh, the breaking of games using the systems that are there. Like, yeah. like Rick was talking about, it's like the system supports so much stuff. It's like some of it is. Uh, and I think you would, if the game was easier, it would feel stupid. Right. Like, like if, cause if the game was easier and you could break it, you'd be like, well, this is just stupid. Like what's even the point? Right. But because it's hard, uh, you know, it's almost like that there is an easy mode. It just involves finding these, the random shit littered yeah. through the castle. <laughs> like, it, it takes, it takes being 42, uh, and going back and playing a game. <laughs> that you've owned you know since like 2010 and uh just yeah. accidentally walking back through a door and realizing oh a glitch got added in yeah to, to do a thing that you wanted to do all those years ago and and here you are and you're like well it's kind of anticlimactic now because all like my friends aren't around we're not like <laughs> you know like hanging out it's not there's no like couch like oh my god do you see that oh man i can't wait to tell everybody on the playground tomorrow like uh -huh. that kind of thing or I, I guess, you know, it's 97, I was 16. I hope I wasn't on any playgrounds at 16. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I mean. Yeah, but I feel like that's kind of the robustness of the design is like, you know, it, and it's why all these decades later, uh, it still feels really good to play. Like, you know, we might, it might be nice if Alucard could move three times as fast when or you want it. Maybe when you even want twice, it. man, just a little bit more. Well, I just mean like when you when you're on one side of the castle and you just want to go to the other side of the castle, if you could just move yeah, like, three times as fast. <laughs> oh man, just just <laughs> pop in a little uh, little fast travel in there. Uh, just, unrelated uh, to the actual I just want to know as fast as as Doom Guide. It's not much to ask, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. 
Doom, um, Doom guy is like the right amount of fast for a video yeah. game. We have which is like too fast, which is the right amount of fast. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But uh, but other than that, it's like I, I don't really think that this game needs anything. Um, there are points like uh, that I was just talking about. What part of the castle is that? The uh, royal, uh, the royal in the butt. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, yeah, literally, it is very annoying. But then like uh, you know, the second or third attempt at it. You just you kind of do it uh, almost flawlessly because mm-hmm. you're like usually the problem in a game like Symphony of the Night is that you are trying to go too fast, um, and this especially happens when you're backtracking. So it's like something you've yeah. beat ten times. You're like, I'll just you know blow through it, and because you're trying to blow through it now, you're getting just destroyed. And you're like, ah, oh, goddamn it! Like, yeah. So it's it, you always have to be careful, which is you know kind of kind of interesting kind of cool it's like dracula's castle is never a safe place even when you sort of uh gain this feeling of ownership over it where it's like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. these guys can't hurt me unless i let them basically and uh i don't know it's a uh, yeah i i don't think to modernize this game you need to do anything which i think is why like there's been no remake and even yeah, when they don't re- it doesn't need one it's kind of like chrono trigger like i would love like, don't get me wrong. Anything they put out, like redoing Chrono Trigger, I will play it. But it doesn't need to be done. I feel the yeah. same way about this. But it's like with you know re-releases of a lot of old games, they'll give you like a times four speed and things like that. But mm-hmm. this, like, you don't really need that. Um, you know, it it just feels it feels great still. Yeah, and like the time I spent, like I spent a lot of time backtracking. Uh, mostly because I thought I knew where like a thing was, and so I would go where I thought it was because that's like, what my brain was telling me. And if I would have just like just maybe paid a little bit more attention to like like clues like throughout the game of like where stuff was, or just like thought about it and not just kind of gung ho. I'm just going this way, you know. I'm just gonna open up the map and go this way. Like, I probably saved myself a couple like two or three hours of backtracking, but it was fine because like it was still only like, nine hours. It, I didn't feel like it was like a yeah. huge investment of my time. It didn't waste my time felt good yeah and uh i don't know it's a fun game to kind of break you know like the stopwatch does make the first the first quarter of the game really easy because yeah. anytime you come to a boss you can just hit the stopwatch and wail on it and then mm-hmm. it's, it's done <laughs> like, yeah yeah it's so good <clears throat> but they left that um, in so it's a nice choice to, yeah. the, to play right and it's up to you how to use it and the fact that they peppered in stuff like that that actually does work and not just like well obviously we're not gonna let you do that because that's too easy yeah. Uh, you know the amount of secrets they hit in that game, and the amount of random weapons they put in with a super low drop rate, right? That entices that like, did you hear what Billy got in the game? You know, and right. yeah. kind of like an urban legend. But I think that yeah. the one place it could improve is when I say creature comforts and modern things would be like maybe a better menu system. You know, yeah, <laughs> things like that. Yeah, that would, uh, that's yeah. that's, that's, that's where it, that's where it stands out as a time thing. Like in the game, yeah. the mechanics are flawless. They're, I mean, that's basically the benchmark for Metroidvanias. Mm-hmm. But then you get to those like things around it that reminds you how old it is. But also, yeah, definitely. Um, the um, the only thing I wanted to, to to really bring up, I know we're we're crossing that hour uh, threshold, is the one of the things I just really love is that the inverted castle is completely missable. Um, you need two items: a gold ring and a silver ring, um, and you need to uh, take them to Maria, show her that you're like strong enough, like you have to like defeat her, but you don't kill her, obviously. Um, and then she gives you the holy glasses in which you can see that like Richter is being controlled, uh, 
controlled by Shaft, right? Like, I'm pretty sure it's Shaft controlling him. And so, uh, oddly enough, like, if <laughs> you can kill Richter, and you will get an ending, and you will think it's done. Like, that's what I did. I think the first two times I played it, I think I, I don't think I knew about the castle. I got to Richter, I beat him. I'm like, that's cool. A Belmont is the final boss. That's legit. Like, I like that. Yeah. That's a nice. That's a nice spin. Um, but when you get the glasses and you equip them while you're fighting Richter, you see a green orb above his head, and so you kill the orb instead. He snaps out of it. Castle flips. You know, a whole extra part of the game, and like that. That is just so cool. And I, I you know, I was thinking about this since you guys brought it up. Uh, you know, since Eddie was like, was there another inverted castle? And I think that. I think that, that we haven't seen it because it would feel like they're just trying to, you know, like copy like what worked before and it would feel cheap coming from, you know, Konami. But also I don't think a lot of people have done it because it was like so cool. Like they can't do it. Like it's not paying homage. It's like it, it, they would probably feel like, oh, we're just ripping it off at this point. It's like such a good implementation. It was done so well. Uh, you, you just literally get like twice as much game. Um, yeah. You know what? I just looked it up, and there is no other inverted castle, which means yeah. I guess I did play Symphony of the Night in like I don't know two thousand two or something like that. I have yeah, and you just melded the experiences. I have like literally no memory of playing it. I, <laughs> but at the same time, I have a really strong memory of playing it on my Game Boy Advance, which is impossible because yeah, because I was not a hacker. Ah. Yeah. Well, I don't even think you could hack it on there. Like, I'm just yeah. trying to. Th- I'm trying to even think because, like, no, uh, fit. the the Saturn version is quite a bit smaller. But even still, I think it's like like 125 megabytes. I think that's still just far too big to fit. Yeah, the Game Boy Advance is a pseudo 32 bit system, right? So there's that part, and that's something we haven't talked about much. I know we're running out yeah. of time, but just the fact that you know you have a 32 bit system that was pushing mostly 3D polygonal graphics, and that's what mm-hmm. made it so good. And I feel really upset that there wasn't more really good AAA efforts into three, 2D gaming on that type of thing, which yeah, I know yeah. that Saturn was supposed to do, but then everyone's like, holy crap, we got to do 3D uh, switching well, gears. Well, it turns but... out that the Saturn's coprocessor was not great uh, for for a lot of things because there were, you know, everyone thought Symphony of the Night would be a slam dunk, but the way I understand it, like the 3D parts... Uh, that are in it are just too taxing like that in mm. the addition uh, when you're combining the addition of like uh you know all the sprite work that it has to do uh like it just it just really struggled and that's a bummer because they did so good on so many like the capcom fighting games um like they were like arcade perfect at the time and like i just really thought uh you know symphony of the night would be a home run but uh just it, it just seems like it just was not created with uh, the Saturn in mind. I don't even think Igarashi uh, was on the the team that ported it to Saturn, uh, which you know that's. The, I guess it's not a, entirely a shock that it didn't. It just didn't turn out as good. But yeah, I, I still I still do think it's worth playing. Uh, so you can see like a little bit of the extra castle uh, and some of the Saturn specific content. But um, uh, yeah, it's kind of a bummer. Yeah, Joe, did you ever play Dragon Quest Eleven? Yeah, dude, I love Dragon Quest Eleven. That's one of my favorite turn-based rpgs ever did you play all of it i did i beat the game and then i was like this ending that i have just witnessed is incredible and then i played another 
30 hours yes. after the ending. <laughs> is the left like, next 30 hours the hero getting a haircut? No. Yeah. Oh, man. I'll man, tell you what. I, it's so good. I'll but that's tell what, you what. That ending, that's what, man. Yeah, that, that's why I asked you because uh, Symphony of the Night, you know, you're talking about you can miss the, yeah. this whole, whole other thing. It's like there's an, there's an ending uh, 60 hours into Dragon Quest Eleven, which is already a pretty long. It's game. really good. It's a really good ending too, though. Like I feel yeah. like it's so satisfying. I yeah. I can't, I don't understand how we got we we almost got to do a, a Dragon Quest Eleven episode because they stick the landing so hard that you're like ten out of ten. Like you nailed yeah. it. Because like games that are that long suffer from like like a like lot of things crumbling <laughs> under their own weight. Well, yeah, that too. But like they've promised you so much over the course of sixty plus hours and then it adds another 30 and sticks the landing as a 10 again uh yeah how dude like how did you do this it's so good but uh yeah that's what when you said that about symphony of the night that's what that yeah. made me think of um so i guess cause, i got like yeah. the true ending but if there like there's another ending that if you don't get a certain percent uh from both the uh, castle and the inverted castle you get like the middling ending and i i, mm-hmm. I, I don't know what that one is i've only ever gotten like the bad ending from killing richter and then like the good one because i spent so much time <laughs> combing the damn castle uh-huh. i had enough of the percents to get the good ending i do like that they have always well i don't know if they've always done multiple ending but for a long time they have like i don't know i have a strong memory of playing castlevania 64 with my friends over a weekend where we basically just played it non-stop and yeah uh, as you do yeah you know there's an easy normal and hard and there's there i think there's two endings per difficulty but there's also two characters so there's four endings per difficulty mm-hmm. and uh yeah it uh i th- i'm pretty sure we got all of them that's which nice. is maybe we didn't get the worst ones because i think we skipped easy we just went straight to normal because because yeah. we're not babies yeah. <laughs> i mean i would do it just to see but like and i bet there's probably i don't know i don't know if the maria endings and the richter endings are are different but the alucard ending was good. a little bit I felt I felt good about it. I, I I really enjoyed my time with 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 Castlevania. Yeah, we got to talk about more Castlevanias, guys. Like uh, we we got to hit those GBA ones because we just need a GBA focused one because that's a that's a real good set of games. Yeah, we oh, they're amazing. Pa- we blew past an hour and yeah. uh, not even thinking about it. So that yeah. we never even answered not- a question. What what is a man? No, <laughs> sorry. So on a scale of one to ten, how dreamy is Alucard, guys? Do we include the Netflix series? Because then, yeah, definitely oh, yeah. 10. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 11 out of 10. Look at those abs. <laughs> I mean, come on. Did you that guys watch has... uh, Castlevania Nocturne? Yeah, it's so good. And uh, that, so about much halfway of, through. Okay. So much of the characters in that, um, which uh, refreshed me uh, at playing Rondo of Blood, are for Rondo. So there's yeah. a, there's a, there's an overlap between Rondo and uh, Symphony of the Night from that series. Highly recommend that series. I like the first series, too. Though, uh, I have a couple of friends that are mixed on the original four seasons of Castlevania. So check those out if you want. Um, I liked them. I like Nocturne yeah. too. I'm ready for season two. Let's roll. I like no- uh, the the big surprise at the end of Nocturne was a... Uh, so good. A, it, so good. Oh, uh, well, to I finish can't, it, I we're still... Oh, man. Just I'm a few episodes in. <clears throat> I'm not going to say anything because it's, it's too good. It's too good not to say anything. Yeah. So, but uh, our, it was really good. So, Eddie, uh, as we sign off, where can uh, the good folks find you? I don't know, man. No. <laughs> I don't know, so, man. Just around. I'm just around yeah. places. He's in uh, the uh, reverse castle. No. Yeah. Yeah. Flipping, it, it, flipping and flopping. Um, so the, I'm at the top, which is the bottom. Yeah. You can castle. go to radicaledward.substack.com. 
And Rick, where can they find you? We're on the uh, YouTube channel Rick Sarandon Retro. That's Rick with a K. You can find me on YouTube and on my website, ricksarandonretro.com, or all the typical socials. Very nice, very nice. And I'm still on the Twixter uh, at <laughs> Joe M. Owens. Uh, yeah, I think that's pretty much all of the only place I'm at these days. I'm at Blue Sky too. Same, same at, but uh, I don't know if those invites are opened up yet for everybody. So, um, you know, when Twitter eventually does crumble under its own weight, that's probably where I'll be. Great. So, anyway, that is uh, the Dad Pod Games Cast. Uh, what is this episode ten? I think it's episode Ooh. ten. Yeah, we d- we done well. just did a decade's worth in a couple months. <laughs> So, yeah, anyway, that's us signing off. (laughs) See ya.